Well, tonight is a, a little bit of a different night for us. Um, it's kind of an introduction uh, to our local evangelism month, uh, and kind of plans got changed a little bit. This is actually uh, part one and part two A uh, of what was supposed to be next week's uh, message, but uh, because of the vote next Sunday evening, uh, we made the decision that Tim would preach for me next Sunday evening and I would preach for him this Sunday evening. But that means that I'm introducing Local Evangelism Month tonight uh, before we begin Local Evangelism Month. Uh, and I'm also introducing the second part of a message before I introduce the first part of a message. Uh, but God has it all under control. So uh, I am confident in that. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, but I do want to start this evening by just kind of remembering together the purpose of Local Evangelism Month. And uh, again, a, a demonstration that God has all of this under his control. Uh, I appreciated Pastor Tim's prayer tonight because you've heard us say many times from the pulpit that local evangelism and world missions are both part of the same purpose of our mission. They're not one thing that we do and another thing that we do. They're what we do and what we believe in firmly uh, as a local church. And we are called to be doing both. We're supposed to be loving our neighbors in our immediate community, and we're supposed to be reaching out to the ends of the earth uh, with the uh, saving message of the gospel. And the reason that we focus on missions in March and, and local evangelism in October uh, is because, quite frankly, as an American church in general, we struggle with these things. Uh, in fact, Tom Rayner, a, a man that uh, the pastors often look to for insight uh, on church and, and church management and those kinds of things, uh, he has a list of 14 reasons that he says uh, these are the main reasons that Christians struggle with evangelism. And, and many of the things that I'll be talking about tonight will be addressing some of these issues that uh, Tom brings up. Uh, and, and just some of them are the fact that Christians seem to have no sense of urgency to reach the lost in our culture. Uh, he also says many Christians and church members do not befriend or spend time with lost people. Many Christians and church members are lazy and apathetic. We are more known for what we are against as a church than what we are for. The churches have ineffective evangelism strategies of you come here and we'll tell you the gospel instead of us going out and sharing with them. Many church members think that evangelism is the role of the pastors or paid staff. Church membership today is more about getting my needs met than reaching out to the lost. Church members are in a retreat mode as the culture has become more hostile and, and unbiblical toward our faith. We're, we're retreating back. Uh, into our fortresses. Many church members don't really believe that Christ is the way to salvation. I hope that is not true of us here tonight. And churches have lost their focus on making disciples who will then be equipped and motivated to make disciples by reaching the lost. These are just some of the ones that, that Tom Rayner talks about. And, and he studies the American culture, and he studies Christian church culture, and so when a man like Tom Rainer says these things, there has to be a, at least a little bit of truth to that in our culture and in our Christianity in general. And so some of those things are the things that, that really uh, lay out for us why we should focus on local evangelism and why we must set aside time to remind ourselves 
of the importance of being a good gospel witness right here in our community. So the first one of those that I really want us to think about here tonight to just kind of help us set the framework is that we are a forgetful people. All of us, even when we have our best intentions, fail to recognize just how much God has done for us in the past and how much he is doing for us right now as we even speak. And I think this speaks to the, the, the one that Tom Rainer says, that we have no sense of urgency for the lost people in our communities because we forget, many of us, if you've been saved for a long time, you probably forgot what it was like to be in desperate need of Christ and to be hopeless and without a Savior. And I think that we need to remind ourselves of just how desperately we are in need of Christ each and every day of our lives, even after we are Christians. And I hope tonight to kind of also address the the concept that we are an uncertain people. And, And what I mean by that is that oftentimes Christians say that they lack confidence in their ability to share their faith. And unfortunately, the reason that I think that can come out, or the the way that that I think comes out in our church culture, is that's why we're more known for the things that we're against than the things that we're for. You know, sometimes when when outsiders look at the Christian church today, they say, well, they're against this sin, and they're against that sin, and they're against that sin. And while, yes, we need to take a stand at what is right and wrong and what Scripture truly mandates and how we should live when we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to be known not only for what we're against, but that we are for, for the fact that Christ died for our sins to redeem a people and call them to himself. That those people who are lost in the sin, whether it's alcoholism or adultery or homosexuality or whatever it might be in our culture that they seem to be celebrating today, we need to be reminding people that the gospel saves people from those sins that's why christ came so we need to be known for what we're for we are for christ and the gospel we are for the proclamation of grace and mercy and forgiveness and those people that that are committing those sins that we truly are against we're not against them we are against that sin and and christ died for them so so that means we must know and love christ Because that means we'll understand our desperate need of him and we'll be willing to proclaim and tell about him to others. But I think perhaps, at least for me, sometimes the biggest challenge that I face regarding evangelism is that we are an inert people. I was going to say that we've become fat and lazy Christians, but I I didn't want to say that. But, But we've become a very satisfied group of Christians at times. And, and we are just willing to be static, and we are difficult to move, and we are hard to get motivated, and we are hard to get going. But I truly believe that when we see the grace of God at work in the lives of the people in our, in our circles of influence that we love and that we care about, when we see God doing something, we're going to get excited. And we're going to want to be participating in that. And we're going to wholeheartedly want to pour our lives into that. And so we need to do something to help us to break that inertia in our lives, that, that, that stagnancy that we tend to get as believers. And I think perhaps that's why uh, Rainer says that many Christians and church members are lazy 
and apathetic. He can say that because he actually doesn't have a congregation. <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you call your church people lazy and apathetic, it doesn't always seem to go over really well. So I will put myself at the top of that list. We do the things that are easy and we do the things that are comfortable, but instead we need to be willing to do the hard things. We need to be doing the things that Christ has called us to. That's the purpose behind Local Evangelism Month. That's the reason we need to remember and celebrate it each and every year to remind ourselves that there are people that God has placed in our sphere of influence that perhaps you are the one person, the one Christian that has the opportunity to truly impact their lives. So that's why we are doing what we do. And we're going to do that this year in the context of the theme, Loving Kids Reaching the Community. Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 25, uh, that's what we're going to look at tonight in the context of Local Evangelism Month. That's one of the verses that we've selected for uh, Local Evangelism Month. So if you have your Bibles, open it up to Deuteronomy chapter 11, where we will be looking at those uh, verses together. But before we open God's word together, let me pray. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your word. Lord, I just pray that you would truly remind us about who you are tonight. Challenge our hearts to be more willing to share the gospel with others. Father, you are truly at work in this world, and it is our honor and privilege to be involved with where you are working. And so, Lord, help us to dive in and jump in and to serve you with all of our hearts because we love you. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. So this passage in Deuteronomy 11 is a, a, a restatement of the Shema in Deuteronomy 6 that, that uh, the Jewish people will, uh, will say and recite daily, uh, reminding themselves of who God is and then what their purpose is in this world. It's kind of the centerpiece of their morning and evening uh, prayer services. And, and many Jews would actually tell you that that's the most important prayer that any Jew would pray because it reminds them about the, the, the singularity of God's kingship in their life, that he is the ruler over all the things in their life. And, and it's recited by them daily to remind themselves to submit to God and his desires in their lives. And so we're going to be looking at, at, at a restatement of that in Deuteronomy 11. Uh, and primarily we're going to be looking uh, at 18 through 22, really even mostly focusing on 22, but I just want to read the context, 18 through 25. It's where it says, You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give to them as long as the heavens are above the earth. For if you will be careful to do all the commandment that I command you to do, loving the Lord your God, walking in all his ways, and holding fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and, and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. Your territory shall be from the wilderness to the Lebanon, and from the river, the river Euphrates, to the western sea." 
Not one shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will lay the fear of you and the dread of you on all the land that you shall, not, that, that you shall tread as he promised. What I first want us to see as we're looking in this passage of Scripture tonight is that, that when they're told to keep the commands of God, we need to understand that, that he also explains what that means. Keep the commands of God means love God, walk in his ways, and hold fast to him. Even back in the Old Testament, there was a clear distinction between when when God's people were told that we need to keep the commands of God, it's not just religiously keeping to the law. God was concerned with having a relationship with his people. Look at what it says in verse 22. For if you will be careful to do all this commandment that I command you to do, loving the Lord your God, walking on all his ways, and holding fast to him. he, He lays out for the people of Israel... If you want to keep the commands of God, then you need to love God, walk in his ways, and hold fast to him. You see, God wants to have a relationship with us. And in fact, because of what Christ has done and because we have the revelation of the New Testament added to what the people of Israel would have known, we know that Christ has done everything that is necessary to accomplish our salvation on the cross of Calvary. A broken and sinful people that should be deserve to be separated from God can be drawn into a deep relationship with their, with their Heavenly Father through His grace and mercy because Jesus Christ has done everything necessary for our forgiveness, for our salvation, and so that we can have that that relationship with him. But every religion in the world is still trying to get caught up in their religiosity. And and what we're seeing here is that that, that what what God is telling them through his servant Moses is that their, their religiosity is useless apart from a relationship with him. Love God with all your heart. Commit to him. Know him. And then you can walk in his ways. When you, when you know God, you should have a desire then to walk with God in obedience to him. And that means that we'll have to hold fast to him. We'll need to cling to him through the good times and through the bad times. Through all of the things that, that we, all the times in our lives that we need him, he will be there for us. But we as fallen human beings, we still, we fall back to wanting to earn God's love. As, as fallen sinful human beings, we all tend to fall back to that. And so we need to understand that as a church that, that when we're talking about outreach to the community, this isn't to make God love us more. He loves us as much as he ever could when he sent Christ to the cross for us. This is because we know and understand who he is. Because we love God and we want to walk in his ways and we want to hold fast to him. So we pour out his love into the community. That's the beauty of the gospel. It's not that we have anything to offer to the kids or to the, to the people of this community, but, but, but that Jesus Christ does. And we want to give them the opportunity to hear the good news of salvation because when we are loving kids, we are going to be reaching the community. So, so all of this is really in, in, in contrast to uh, our human nature. In fact, it is contrary to our human nature to follow, and we must be taught. I think that's why it's so important, the way, the, the, the way that this passage of Scripture advances. It's a reminder for us that you and I need to be submitting ourselves to God, and we need to be constantly uh, submitting ourselves to the teaching and the preaching of God's Word. 
But that's contrary to our human nature. We want to be independent. We want to do our own thing. We, we want to uh, you know, kind of be avant-garde and, and be, be known for, for uh, being independent. But the reality is, is that you and I need to purposefully and repeatedly submit ourselves to the teaching of God's word. Because we can't observe what we don't know. It is absolutely impossible for us to obey the Lord if we don't know what his word tells us to do. And if we don't understand what we are called to do. And so when we look at the world around us, sometimes it's easy for us to kind of look down our figurative noses at them and say, oh, look at the, the way that they're acting like lost people. But the reality is, is that they are lost people. They are desperately lost and they're groping around in the darkness trying to find their way to Christ. They're trying to find their way to salvation. They're trying to find their way to the prosperity of eternal life that Pastor Tim preached about this morning. They're, they're looking for that and they don't know where to find it. And we who know we who have that relationship and love the Lord and walk in his ways should be willing to tell them because if we won't tell them, who will? Romans 10, 13 and 15, a passage of scripture that many of us are familiar with, reminds us, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we say, amen. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But we have to remember that it says, but how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching? And how will they preach unless they are sent? For it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. We need to be reminded that, that we are sent into our community. We are sent into our neighborhoods just as we send people to the ends of the earth to proclaim the good news of Christ. The people in our community will not hear unless there is a believer in their life who is willing to proclaim the good news to them. And so that's why we, we need to understand this, because it's contrary to our human nature to follow, but yet then you and I who know Christ, who are followers of the King, need to break into the darkness of our community and shine the light of Christ into the darkest corners so that they can truly know the way to salvation. And, you know, working with teens, I, can, I hear this uh, a lot, whether I'm in the schools or other places, or I tell somebody that I work with teenagers, and, and they're, they're, they sit back and they say, oh, man, kids today. As if when they were kids, they didn't do anything wrong. As if there was no such thing as sin when they were growing up. And, in, and instead, sometimes I'll find out that, that, you know, it's another believer who's saying something like, oh, kids today, I just don't know what to do with them. And that should be a, a, that should be a reminder for us, that if, if we tend to think kids today, I don't know what to do with them, let me tell you what you can do with them. You can share the gospel with them. Because if they're lost and if they're broken and if they don't have a relationship with God and they're separated from them and their sin, even if their sin looks terribly wicked to us on the outside, we have the good news of salvation. We have the, we have the, the, the gospel message which teaches and tells us how they can be saved and set free from their sin and have eternal life in our glorious, glorious Savior. So we should make a difference. That's what we're called to do. And they're not just going to blindly follow us. They're not just going to blindly follow what we say. So we need to know God well enough that we can communicate that gospel message to them effectively. Don't just sit back and say, well, kids today, go and make a difference. 
impact their lives. Because when we love on kids, we are reaching our community. That's, that's the theme and the message that I want us to pound into our hearts repeatedly throughout this next month. Is that if you really want to make a change in our community, love the kids and reach them with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Because the reality is, is that is the only thing that will bring lasting change. The blessing of God is directly in this passage of scripture associated with knowing and keeping God's commands. And if they don't know Christ, if they don't know the Lord, there's no way that they're going to be able to to keep the commands of God. They might try. They might try to be a good kid. They might try to uh, be a positive influence in the community. They may try to do all sorts of things which, which on the outside make them look better, but they will be lost for all of eternity without Christ. Verse 22 also tells us, for if you will be careful to do all of this, they have, they have to know those things and, and they have to understand that, that following Christ is truly a whole life commitment. Lasting change isn't just kind of sprinkling in a little bit of Jesus into their life. It's not you know, doing some good things and going to church and, and you, know, you add a little bit of Jesus and that's going to be good enough. Lasting change is a whole life committed to Jesus Christ as Lord. He is sovereign over our life. He is the ruler of everything. He is the ultimate authority. And his word that he has given to us is our rule book that we must follow. And so when, when we want to make an impact on kids, it's the gospel that's going to make that permanent, true, and lasting change in our community. And, and we know what this looks like. Scripture actually tells us what this looks like. Uh, Timothy himself was impacted by the power of the gospel early on in his life. And we can think of a man like Timothy that, that God used amazingly in, in his time and throughout history. And, and so we are reminded that, that this, this relationship even between Paul and Timothy and the writings that, that Paul had toward to him and, and, and all the ways that we have been impacted by that, Timothy himself has made a lasting impact on the world. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 15, we read this. But as for you, talking about Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul says, Timothy, from your earliest days, you were familiar with God's word. And it penetrated into your life. It made you wise for the knowledge of salvation. It made you ready to know and understand who Christ is so that the gospel could penetrate into your life. And that's why you can now continue to make uh, impact right where you are. And that's what we're striving to do. As a church, we should be looking for ways that we can make an impact in kids' lives when they are young so that they can continue to impact the community and the culture that they will be raised in and that they will live in. Because Lord willing, they're going to live a whole lot longer than us. And when you are dead, you and I are dead and gone, if Jesus Christ hasn't returned, they will be the ones who will continue to proclaim the gospel in St. John's and to the ends of the earth. And we don't know who it is that we could be impacting. We don't know the, the D.L. Moody's that we could be reaching out to. We don't know the, the, the little David Platts and the little John Pipers that could be running around in our midst. And, and you know what? Sometimes, I, 
having watched John Piper from afar and having heard him say some of the things about himself, I don't think he'd have been the little kid sitting in Sunday school perfectly memorizing verses. I think he's full of spit and vinegar. And God has used his personality to proclaim the gospel boldly for all of his life. And so sometimes those little kids that just were like, oh man, I just don't know. How is that kid? I can't even get him to sit still, let alone listen to what we're teaching. You love that kid. You can reach him with the gospel. And you never know how God will use that young man or that young woman for his honor and for his glory. Timothy is a perfect example of that. But to do that, he needs to, that we need to understand and we need to communicate to kids in our lives that, that we are committed to the gospel. Because commitment to the Lord is a priority. You know, for many, many years, we've been uh, blessed with uh, a staff that was together for almost 17 years. And in our Sunday school ministry, we've had Sunday school teachers who have been doing it for many, many years. And some of that's changing. And I'm not always completely comfortable with change. But God's not changing. His gospel is not changing. His call to reach young men and women, boys and girls, with the gospel message isn't changing. And so what's needed? Well, maybe what's needed is you. Maybe what's needed is you to step in and and to remind these kids what it means to, to... Obey the Lord and to walk with Him all their days and to hold fast to Him. Because loving the Lord your God and walking in all His ways and holding fast to Him is something that they need to learn and see from the adults in their life who love Jesus with all of their heart. And Jesus taught us that wherever your treasure is, your heart will be too. Maybe we need to begin to treasure the children in our church and in our community. Maybe we need to begin to see kids as a, as a resource for the sake of the gospel. Maybe we need to see them as, as an opportunity to raise up a generation who will boldly live the gospel and proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. We don't know how God will use the young men and young women that we impact. But if we're going to do that, if we're going to try to make an impact, if we're going to try to teach them to love the Lord their God with all of their hearts then we need to understand that loving kids the way that God commands is what we should do. So you and I should, should be committed to then examining our lives and loving kids the way that God commands. And, and so that's part of what I really want us to be thinking about through this next month is, is then what does loving kids reaching the community really mean? What does that look like? How does that impact us as a family, as an individual, as a local church? How does that impact your small group of adults? How does that impact what we do on Monday to Saturday and not just on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights for our kids' programs? Those are great places to start, but perhaps God wants to do more in us. So if we're going to love kids the way that God commands, there's a, there's a few things that I think we need to understand and get straight. I think we need to decide in our hearts that I will value God's word instead of I will value stuff. 
Jesus taught us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all the things that we need for our everyday lives will be added unto us. God will take care of our needs if we are willing to commit to living our lives set aside for his purposes and his kingdom. But, but sometimes, in our culture, it's really hard. We tend to value our stuff more than we de- tend to value people. And, and I'm not going to uh, say otherwise, But sometimes committing to loving on kids, loving on teenagers, loving on people in the community, it takes an investment that will cost you stuff. It will cost you your time. It will cost you your stuff. It is a commitment for you to go and to live your life for the sake of the gospel. And it might mean that, that yes, you're, you're might, you might have to miss a little bit of overtime on Saturdays because you've made a commitment to, to be part of some kid's community program, whether that's a sports outreach or, or something else. And you're going to have to go and be part of these things, and you're going to spend your money, you're going to spend your time to go and invest in those things. But you're going to use that as an opportunity to, to build relationships so that you can reach those boys and girls for the sake of Christ. And so we have to decide, what do I value more? God's word and his commands to be making disciples? God's word and his commands to be loving our neighbors and reaching out to them in the name of Christ? Or do I value my stuff more than that? Wherever your treasure is, your heart will be too. We need to understand that that loving kids the way God wants us to is going to cost us. And we're okay with that. It's going to cost us in our budgets in our church. It's going to cost us in our budgets as our family. This, in this past year, the deacons made a decision to commit to funding uh, a group at the local high school called Finding Answers. And as they buy the pizza, and they buy the soda, and they buy the chips so that kids can come in for lunch, and we can have worldview discussions with them, and they can hear about the good news of Christ. And, and we were kind of limping along, kind of facilitating in that ministry from this place or that place and making it work. And, and the deacons decided, you know what, we believe this is a great opportunity. This is a great outreach. And we want to fund that ministry. Well, it is amazing to see how that commitment has led to the exponential growth. We are only uh, in week three, but we had 72 kids there this last week. We didn't reach 72 until we were in like late November of last year. And there's a lot of kids that, that were graduates or aren't back with us at school this year that have moved on. And yet we have 72 kids, most of them for the first time that we're seeing them this year in this school year, coming to talk about God's word and to hear about the good news of Christ. Committing to loving kids the way God wants is going to cost us. And when we're willing to pay that price, God will bless that. He'll bless the fruit of our investment in his kingdom. But loving kids the way God commands also means that we're committing to teach. Instead of saying, you know, I have to protect my time. To teach somebody takes, takes time, right? Uh, you probably know this. It's not often that you can talk to somebody the very first time and they want to hear about Christ and they immediately want to commit their lives to Christ. Praise the Lord, it does happen that way sometimes, but it doesn't happen that way often. And too often we have the mentality of, I've earned my time off, I've put in my time, I've done my duty. And we fall into the trap of of thinking that somehow, through all of the ways that I've served God in the past, now I deserve to take a break 
and I don't need to do that anymore. But we need to commit to teaching. We need to be commit to being involved. And, and we need to not only invest our money, but we need to invest our time. Well, the younger people can, can do that, or the older people can do that. Or, you know, we always think that the other group of people, that's not me, should do that. But the reality is, is that we need to all invest in that. First John 4.19, I really like the ESV translation of it. You know, we all probably learned the King James or the NIV, we love him because he first loved us. And there's all sorts of songs that we sing as that. But I, I actually agree with the, the more recent translations that say we love because he first loved us. It's not just that we love God because he first loved us, but we love in general. We love the community. We love our neighbors. We love all those that God has placed in our lives because he has first loved us. That doesn't mean I've done my time. That doesn't mean that we can say that we've done our our duty and we move on. We have to commit to invest our time in others. And that also means that we have to understand that it's teaching and talking and living life, not just talking alone. You know, when we look at that, that passage uh, of Scripture, it, it, it tells us that, you know, when you're, when you're standing up, when you're going about, when you're laying down, every part of our lives needs to be committed to, to teaching kids these things, to, to, to raising up a generation that knows and understands these things. Proverbs 22, 6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he should not depart from it. It doesn't say just train up your children. It says train up a child. Any child that we can invest in, we can have an eternal impact, and it's training them. It's not just, you know what, if you just preach at your kids, they'll get it, and, they'll, and then they'll know the way when they get old. No, we have to train up a child, and, and, and if you've worked at all with kids or had kids of your own, you'll know it's not a tell them once and it's all done. I really wish it was that way, but it's not that way. And so we need to train, we need to invest, we need to com- clearly communicate in the way they should go so that when they're old, they will not depart from it. We need to be teaching them the truth of God's word so that they will know and understand who God is. It's not simply the com- conveying of message. We're, they're supposed to, we're supposed to help them to lay up, uh, lay up these treasures in their heart and in their soul. They're to bind them on their hands. They're to be frontlets to their eyes when they're sitting, when they're walking, when they're lying down, and when they rise. In every aspect of a kid's life, we're supposed to be teaching them to make God their supreme treasure, to make God the thing that they cherish the most. And the only way that they can do that is that they know Christ. The only way that they can obey the commandments of God is through the strength of the Holy Spirit living in them. And so you and I have to love kids with the gospel and teach them the good news of salvation. And if we want to see our community be changed, that's what God has called us to do as individuals, as families, and as a church. And so I hope that throughout this month that we will be examining our lives and and looking for ways that we can be effectively loving people in our lives. How can I effectively be loving kids in my life? And if you don't have any kids of your own, then find some awesome kids at this church, which we have plenty of, adopt them and love them and the kids that are in their life. 
And then if you can't do that, then you can commit to being in some of our kids' programmings, whether it's cadets or Awana or helping out in Sunday school, and you can love kids and impact them for the sake of the gospel. You could find a, a, a local drama club somewhere here in the, in the town. You could find a, a Lego club. You could find a science club. If you can do math, you could help the kids in your neighborhood tutoring them in math because most kids hate it. And you could, be, uh, you could give them an opportunity to find somebody who loves Jesus and loves them and wants to help them. There are countless ways that we can use the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given us to love the kids in our community. But it's going to take our time, it's going to take our monetary investment, and it's not going to be easy. We have to be doing more than just, we have to be doing more than just teaching, we have to be training them up. Helping them to see what a life committed to Christ looks like. And then boldly sharing the gospel with them. You know, when we live our lives loving kids by ministering and sharing the gospel, we will have a huge impact on the community. My hope for us and for our church is that through this month of October, we will take the opportunities to examine God. How can I be loving kids more effectively here in this church, out in the community, and perhaps even to the ends of the earth? Because your gospel is worth it and because you uh, are worth it. That's where I'm going to leave us for tonight. The month of October is going to be focusing on these things. We're going to have, uh, and, and we're going to focus on it for uh, the Beacon of Hope presentation on the 13th. And on that evening, we're going to have a roundtable discussion that's going to involve some community members uh, and some uh, ministry uh, organizations that are going to come and talk to us about how we can be more effective in loving kids and reaching the community. We have the opportunity to have Jeff Totten, the chapel leader for the Detroit Tigers, come and share with us morning and evening. Uh, And we have the opportunity to have Abraham Thomas back from India and his ministry of of reaching out to the lost and the orphaned in India. And and we can learn from his example of what loving kids and reaching your community can truly look like. And my hope is that even if it's just a few of us can catch a vision for how we can impact the community by loving the children and helping them to come to know Christ as their Savior. I'm going to close this in prayer, and then Mike and the team is going to come and share in song with us. Let's pray. Lord God, we truly do thank you that you are a God who is knowable, that you are a God who desires to have a relationship with us. We thank you that you give us promises that if, if we teach our children and, and raise them up with to know you and to have a relationship with you. That there will be blessings to knowing you. Father, there are so many kids in our community that in our circles of influence that have no access to the gospel in their families. Their mothers, their fathers, their grandmas, their grandpas, they don't go to church, they don't know Christ, they have no access to you other than us. Father, you have placed us here to be salt and light. Help us to do that. Help us to lovingly reach those that we have contact with and to boldly proclaim the good news of salvation. And Lord, we're going to give you the praise and the glory for how you will work in and through us and how you will transform this community 
because of Christ and for the sake of Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.